Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. Happy Not a Father's Day, Evan. Happy Not a Father's Day, Ryan. Brad. That's it. That's the only other, it's only us who can talk about that. It's only us. (laughs) What'd you do today, Brad? Anything special? Uh, My dad came over. Um, Then after he left, we took the kids for a walk. But mostly, uh, I sat around on the couch, did not a lot, ate a lot of cake, and took a nap. It was everything I hoped it would be. (laughs) That's a very dad day. It's a very dad day. That is not a normal dad day, which is why it was so nice. Poor Crystal had a rough day. I mean, yeah, she had you and your dad over. Uh, For those of you, I mean, almost all of you would never have met Brad's dad in your life, but um, he is actually more talkative and chatty than Brad, but his stories are substantially better. I will give him that. Yes. You never walk away from the conversation going, well, well, I'll never get those seconds back. Seconds. (laughs) (laughs) So minutes. Happy Father's Day, Brad. Thank you. Um, seeing the pictures from Crystal, um, of Mika and Hank were so, was so upsetting over the weekend because they have just doubled in size since I saw them last. And I was so upset. It's all Hank did during the quarantine was eat and grow. Same, but not in the right places. (laughs) (laughs) I saw my parents for the first time in four months and my, my mom goes, (laughs) she, she goes, huh? Usually when you come home, you're skinnier than usual. Oh, wow. <laughs> this is what we're going to do this weekend. Yes. I was like, woof. Well, I guess I'm at that point in my life now. Everybody needs a barrel through the winter. The only difference is it's not winter now. Yeah, I've, I've gained the COVID-19 for sure. Yeah. Oh, is that is that what we're calling it now? Uh, it's no, I the s- COVID-19. I said it and then... Everyone who I've said it to, I think it's been like three people, have all looked at me like, mm, maybe it's not great. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm too callous. I think I'm too desensitized. I can't uh, I can't decide what to take seriously anymore. And the only people I talk to on a consistent basis other than Mel and my dog are you guys, and you are not a moral barometer. <laughs> no, that's, that's not good. <laughs> that's, that's true. Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Five days away from the end or extension of our suffering i'm ryan hannah i'm dad i'm evan i'm very tanned right now i just looked at myself on my screen and i didn't even recognize myself you are straight beige my mom would use you as a decoration in her very middle eastern household yeah i'm about to be cast on the next season of jersey shore it feels like (laughs) you actually probably would have been before um but i think you're a little bit too rich to to hang out where they do that's true um on this episode of the winged wheel podcast we will be talking about the actual uh covid19 and how it's affected the nhl and their planned and (laughs) planned is now bolded uh return to play uh continue our prospect profiles our play in series previews the usual banter um evan and i will do our damnedest to not uh bring up um castle defense weapons from the past in reference to previous episodes so uh, i'm sure it'll be a doozy um You know, I, I to, to just to jump right into it, I expected there to be um, some semblance of 
issues with the NHL's return to play. I was never someone who thought, yeah, they can like fire this off without a hitch. Nobody's going to get infected, blah, blah, blah. It's just not the reality right now of, uh, where these teams are playing in the cities in which the the players are training, whether they're in phase one or phase two or not any part of that at all. Um, there was, it was going to happen, but the NHL had a bad like 48 hours in terms of um, demonstrating the health and safety um, constraints and, and <laughs> their ability to maintain health and safety while trying to return to play. It was, what was it, 300 tests had been conducted and 11 players positive already, players and staff. It's not good. Not great. Um, Austin Matthews, obviously in Toronto. Not in Toronto. He was in Arizona, I believe, when he tested positive. Uh, enough Tampa Bay, it was three Tampa Bay Lightning players or enough Tampa Bay Lightning players where Tampa actually had to shut down its facility temp- temporarily. Uh, temporarily. Uh, I'm sorry, now's not a time for puns. Um, it was Arizona players as well, I think, alongside Matthews, but I've never heard confirmation of, or I haven't seen any confirmation of that. And the NHL very fairly is saying, like, we'll tell you the number of positive tests we're having, but we will never identify the players or the teams for the sake of, um, you know, confidentiality and and everything like that, which um, I think is the right take from the official organization. But of course these things leak out. And so Matthews was, was confirmed as one of them. So yeah, yeah. Bad day for the NHL PR team. Is anybody surprised? Not even remotely. No. Uh, again, I, I know I mentioned it uh, kind of facetiously and jokingly a bunch of episodes ago about how we opened back everything back up in society, not because COVID was going down, not because anything was improving. We were poor and bored. And now <clears throat> NHL players, much to the surprise of everybody, are actual just real people in society and who are the people getting sick right now actual people in society so yeah it's it was just an odds game out of you said they tested 300 and something people honestly i'm surprised it wasn't more so i'll take that as good news i think the worst thing that happened to the nhl in this because the tampa uh cases the news was broken first yes by like about half a day no panic online. People were obviously like, oh, this isn't good. And then the best player on the Toronto Maple Leafs, the center of the hockey universe, caught it. And everybody said, oh, my God, we're screwed. Which, again, I saw, I saw you know, I think the moment the, the lightning announced that they had to shut down their facilities when I saw a lot of people responding in a way where they were acknowledging the fact that the NHL does not have a solid foundation to return on because it's impossible for any sports league that requires close contact between a lot of players to do this. Um, that's, you know, it's not, not an indictment on the NHL, but at the same time, it's just recognizing that trying to return to play right now comes with a base level of inherent risk. And that's not minimal. Like it's quite substantial. There's a lot of hoops to jump through. And even if you do it in the right way, you get it wrong. Or you, there's a chance you get it wrong. Like, like Brad mentioned, um, it's not like 
150 of the tests came back positive. No, but five or no, sorry, 11. Now, if five of those happened in one, you know, team quarantine or, or conference quarantine and six of them in another, you now have two potential hotspots where they'll spread. These players are going to be in close contact. And even if they're not in close contact with other teams, they're going to be in close contact with each other pretty regularly. It's all it takes to spread. It's 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 really difficult to do this right. And I'm not even talking about should they try or should they not try. I'm saying they are trying right now and there's a chance it's going to fail. And that chance is not zero and that chance isn't even close to zero. We're looking at a potential here where the NHL tries to return, plays some games or doesn't even play any games. And then it's called. They, they say we can't do this, whether it's preemptive of any kind of big breakout or it's after it's already too far gone. Another thing that people forget is, you know, this disease, you survive it. Great. That's awesome. You, you're, you're likely to survive it, um, especially younger guys like the the players being exposed here. And, and that's not to discount older team staff, coaches and managers and everything, but um, you'll survive it. But then there's lasting damage that happens to your body. Your lung capacity might never be the same. You might suffer a heart attack after. You might suffer from kidney failure. You might have a stroke. All of these things. Like This disease pulls no punches. And the NHL has to consider all of this. Like, okay, Austin Matthews is going to survive this, but uh, you know, every fifth deep breath he takes is going to be a little bit more shallow than it used to be. This is going to have lasting, a lasting impact. And the NHL right now has to face the plans that they have in place and decide, is it worth all of this just to fulfill some TV contracts and recover some revenue? And that's easier said than done, right? Like I have no stake in the league. Everything that we care about right now is not playing until 2021. But the NHL has to decide whether they can take this risk anymore because it's real. And we're seeing it happen right now. This is why the NBA's plan, I have a little more faith in than the NHL's plan. And not surprising, the NBA is doing something better than the NHL, but here we are. Um, where the NBA is just putting their players in a bubble. Like, you're here, you're not leaving. Nobody in, nobody out. This is where you live. This is how you play. And of course, the players fully have the option to not go just like NHL players do as it should be, no matter what the protocol is. And in the NBA's case, which I think they have like 24 more hours to make a decision whether they're going or not, it looks like a lot of players are going to decline. Who cares? This is what you have to do. That's the reality of it right now. Cases are going up everywhere. Like, <laughs> You can deny it all you want. I don't like this has nothing to do with politics. This has nothing to do with sports. People are getting sick and they're getting sick more often than they were at the beginning of the pandemic. They were getting sick more often than they were in the middle of the pandemic. They're getting sick more often than they were a week ago. In 98% of North America right now, this is the worst it's been. Note, exact numbers might not apply. Yeah, yeah before anyone pulls up the statistics, Brad... <laughs> Brad's making sweeping comments here. Not I'm making sweeping comments. It very much depends where you are. But either way, you look at most charts and most of North America isn't getting good news these days. In fact, the city most likely to be one of the two hubs because the latest rumor is Vegas and Vancouver. Uh, Nevada is getting hammered right now. Just hammered in increasing COVID cases. So it's going to happen. 
how the NHL handles it is everything. What their protocols are, are everything. When Bill Daly comes out here and says, yeah, if we have three to four to five positive tests or whatever it is, it's not going to change much. I'm paraphrasing, but that's essentially what he said. He's insane. Because if, let's say there's a game between the Florida Panthers and the New York Islanders. Alex Barkov test positive uh, the morning after a game. Every single one of those players on those two teams needs to be quarantined. Be- un- unless you literally want to track who Barkov was on the ice shift by shift, you have to assume he came in close contact with all his teammates and most of the Islanders. So if you have on a condensed schedule, a back-to-back planned, which is likely because there's going to be a bunch of them. How else are you going to get these playoffs done in time? You got to cancel games. And it doesn't sound like the NHL is prepared to do that. And to Ryan's point about where we see a cancel of a station, the cancellation of the season being a very real possibility. That's how it's a very real possibility. Look at what's happening in the U S college sports right now. Clemson had what? 20 something positive tests. The Philadelphia Phillies had eight positive tests just in spring training. Uh, I forget another big college football team in the in the States. I want to say Alabama, but don't quote me on that. Also got hammered with 20-something plus cases. If that happens, whatever hub they are playing in is shut down for longer than a day. And can the NHL survive if they're still playing at one hub because it's operating properly? And the other hub, you've got gotten what 12 teams on lockdown because you know how many players came back positive even if one guy came back positive i'm sorry closing facilities uh like retail stores do for a day to wipe everything down isn't going to fix the issue so the nhl needs to not screw this up from day one if one person gets into the bubble this whole thing goes tits up unbelievably fast yeah, and I, me and Brad and Evan, like, don't want to come on here and just be doomsday naysayers. Like, this could never happen. Cancel it all. Brian. I'm going to stop you right there. The draft lottery is this week. I am nothing <laughs> but a doomsdayer and a naysayer this week. Okay, back as you were. But it's what we do want to say is that we are thrilled that it's not us who has to make these decisions. Oh, yes, we are horribly underqualified to make these decisions <laughs> we're horribly underqualified to make these opinions um welcome to the wing grill podcast yeah <laughs> uh, i i i it's so selfish because i want hockey back like i want hockey back so badly i just want to watch any hockey i would kill for red wings hockey right now but that's not possible so i would just want any hockey back but at the same time i'm like wish people wouldn't get sick Really don't want that to happen too. So, oh, I am. I have never rooted harder for Gary Bettman in my life. I want him to pull this off desperately. I want to see these entire playoffs go off without a hitch with not a single positive case. Everybody's happy going to the offseason. Hopefully, by December, January, there's a corona vaccine and we can get back to life as normal. I know that's not likely, Ryan. Let me be optimistic for a minute because it won't last because I remember what this Friday is. But you hope, and that's what you have to hope for. Is this going to go off without a hitch? And are we likely to have a vaccine by December? No and no. But that's the goal. 
And that's what you strive for. But the NHL has to be ready and has to be prepared to shut this down at any point. I don't care if it's the conference finals. If half of whatever team's playing comes back positive, you're done. You're over. You're not coming back from that. Sorry. I don't care that you're carrying 28-person rosters. You're done. If if there's a vaccine by December, I will eat a whole pineapple, skin and all. Wow. Yeah. That's how confident I am. So Ryan survives the pandemic just to kill himself in a new and creative way. Hey, I'll, I'll, maybe I'll end up on one of those uh, Darwin Award shows. Ooh, we could take a YouTube video of it. Could you ima- Evan, could you imagine the ad revenue we would get from that? That's content. That is content. That is A-plus content, not only for YouTube, but for those weird like death sites that you're not supposed to visit. <laughs> Are we going to get ad revenues from them? <laughs> yeah, sure. Why not? It's like Probably getting not. ad revenue from a porn site. You can get it anywhere. <laughs> yeah, we really have the wrong angle here. What do we make in our first year on YouTube? Like a hundred bucks? <laughs> if that. <laughs> and then you don't even get paid out until a hundred bucks, I think. I'm not so. <laughs> it's going to be a thousand uh, years before we get paid out. Oh, boy. Uh, well, I'll do it for you guys. You deserve it for putting up with me. Yeah. I still haven't told Crystal about my, uh, my deal if the Red Wings win the draft lottery on Friday. Not sure how that's going to go over. What's your deal again? Oh, oh, stripping and running down the street naked? No. The oh, the mustache. Yeah. Yeah, for a yeah, week. yeah, yeah. Again, you said a week, man. Yeah, I wasn't going to aim for longer than that. Good That's God. That's not even bad. No. One week? No. I can uh, isolate you know. myself. So he, you, you two both know Crystal very well. So when she says, if you shave your facial hair into a handlebar mustache... She will shave it off in my sleep. Do you think she is being sarcastic or literal there? I know, but I kind of want to see it happen. I always, whenever I might have to call an audible because there's there's a very good chance uh, it will not be allowed to happen. <laughs> she's not I'm a at your she's place. not a very controlling wife, but she she looks at me, so I can see where she's coming from. That whenever I'm at your place and you're on your bullshit, I just kind of egg you on just to see. I want to see Crystal snap and kill you one day. <laughs> nah, that'd be good content too look at that yeah amazing evan will be the lone survivor with all this ad revenue money which is really how this is only this is the only way this is ever going to end exactly we know evan has a last man perfect it's honestly perfect <laughs> and then the show just takes the next step up like evan is just like on it Ever i it is so annoying I, this happened after the last episode because evan was very chatty last episode um and the amount of people i got messaging us saying like oh it's so great when evan is like talking and chiming in and everything i'm like shut up <laughs> this guy sucks you guys aren't missed at all no no we're not of course we're not they love you i'm a Bullshit. man of the people barely the most they hear from you is from your freaking mechanical keyboard with noise enhancers under each key. Also true. Hey, I could have had clickier ones, but I was, you know, thinking of you when I bought this keyboard like five <laughs> years ago. Yep. You 100% were, Evan. We believe you fully. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, it's a busy week for the NHL. Their current plan is to return um, or to pick hub cities. Return to play by July 30th. They're hoping to kick off the Stanley Cup playoffs slash play in tournament before the playoffs. And it's a whole thing. They have to pick the hub cities. So yeah, Vegas is now looking unlikely or maybe Toronto is now looking unlikely. So we talked before, if it's going to be a Canadian city, it's going to be Toronto. 
And then they were talking about it might have to be two Canadian cities because so many major American cities right now are going through a second wave or, you know, wave 1.5 or wave two electric boogaloo, whatever you want to call it. Um, so Vancouver is there. Edmonton is there. Toronto and Vegas are still being mentioned. It's really, really, really difficult to see where the NHL is going to pick. And, and I'm kind of leaning towards two Canadian cities here. Um, there was a report that I saw just before we started recording um, from, I'm trying to find it here. So um, it was from Tyler Uremchuk. I don't know much about him, but um, some of the TSN affiliate, I think he's saying that he has a good connection with the league, that the hub cities are picked. They said the Eastern conference will be playing in Vegas and the Western Conference will be playing in Vancouver. Now, again, I am not confirming this. I'm not saying it's true, but that is the latest rumor. Even though things are bad in Nevada, as we talked about a few episodes ago, Vegas has the ability to create a bubble and keep the players happy because it's Las Vegas. They can just literally block off whatever they want, pick a hotel, whatever, close to the arena, Everybody stays in. You can be entertained, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But that's but. <laughs> if. That's a big but, yeah. Uh, Sir Sir Mix-A-Lot would absolutely be proud of that but. But, uh, yeah, Vancouver, Jeez. they're holding up already. Oh, it's a big old but, Ryan. <laughs> it's Father's Day. You think he was getting through this episode without a bad dad <laughs> joke for me? Um. That's the latest rumor. I don't know. Again, even though Nevada is bad, Vegas still makes sense to me because of the logistical reasons. Toronto, I can't see being the greatest option. Yeah, I, I would. I would have picked Vancouver and Edmonton just because those are getting hit less than the other options. But none of those cities are set up quite like Vegas is. And honestly, whether we want to say it's a good reason or not, the players. Uh, don't want to be in a bubble in Edmonton if they have no way of keeping themselves entertained between games. And I can't blame them. Could you imagine, as much as I love hockey, where you wake up, go to the rink for skate, go back to your room, go to the game, go back to your room, don't play tomorrow? Cool, don't leave the hotel, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I, I could see why Vegas would get steam, even if it's not the safest option. Do you see NBA players are going to have that like mood ring, like that smart ring that can detect uh, COVID like with 90% accuracy or something? No. Yeah. It's That's like a this, hell of an invention. Yeah. You know what? The smart ring has been around for a while as like a concept because before it used to be like a motion based thing, uh, like a gesture based, like uh, just for like, you know, computing and whatnot, just like a casual wear and then it slowly transformed into um as a lot of wearables do um a health thing as well so i'm sure measuring pulse and blood pressure and and everything like that um and apparently it's been adapted where um it is supposed to or hopefully be able to um detect early signs of covid with 90 percent accuracy i'm gonna level with you here i barely read past the headline there's just a lot of people angry that nba players were getting this but you know, frontline workers and health professionals didn't, which fair. Um, but I, I kind of get the impression that this is kind of experimental and it's not really, you know, tried and true. So 
that might be something like that's the kind of thing where the NHL might also look towards investing in. Obviously, they're going to be checking temperatures and testing regularly, which is most important, of course. But you talk about, about what Brad said. If you're just going rank hotel room, rank hotel room, rank hotel room, and then you're saying, you know, don't get within six feet of your buddies either. Like, well, if you're playing hockey with and against players, uh, I don't think the six foot rule will apply at that point. Uh, honestly, because if you're sitting next to these guys on the bench, it doesn't matter if you're sitting next to them on the bench or a hotel room. That's that's not going to matter. And and as much as cool of an idea as the mood rings are, even if they work, I mean, the NHL is, has said they're going to test these players daily. So I don't think the ring's going to really make much of a difference if they're getting daily tests anyway. Those players have weakened septums as is to have that big, long... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, oh. shoved straight to the back of their brain. There's going to be a lot of nosebleeds on those tests. <laughs> oh. oh, yeah. It can, could you imagine? Could you actually imagine that someone gets blown up in the corner and like breaks their nose and then has to go get a test? <laughs> could you imagine? That he'd If I had my nose, like I've broken my nose before. If I had to go to the hospital after and someone said, yeah, we're going to shove this 12 inch long um you tip up your nose i'd say just kill me don't even it's fine let the covid take me quarantine me i'm not doing that yeah a lot a lot of the um a lot of nhl players are known to enjoy some uh snow sports we'll call them in their downtime which is particularly harsh on your nose as well so maybe someone should warn them about what these tests look like i don't actually know if they're getting the q-tip test or something different I imagine it would have to be that just for the sake I of accuracy. don't know of any test other than the Q-tip test. But again, I'm not a doctor. I only play one on a podcast. <laughs> well, uh, by the not by the next time we talk, but hopefully by the next time we talk, we have a final decision on Hub Cities or at least a little bit more of an indication. Um, it's going to be a crazy week. We are five days away from the draft lottery. Don't. Nope. Don't want to know. Yeah. Trying to forget about it. Yeah, I, uh, actually. Oh, and I, I have even worse news too. Like, um, I don't work Friday this week, Bad. so I just, I just get to live in anxiety all day. I have no distraction. I am gonna every hobby I have, every activity I can think of, I am doing that day, because again, I it's eighty one percent chance of anger. I just mm. maybe mm, we should all no. take the day off and uh, play around a golf. You read my mind, Ryan. Yeah, that'd I was be already fun, thinking about it anyway. That'd be a fun tradition. All of us take the day off before the draft of the draft lottery, and in the morning, we play golf. That's actually a terrible idea, because then I'll be in a bad mood from how bad I played golf, and See, then we'll have I, to do the draft lottery. I don't mind golfing. I like golfing. I don't mind being bad at golf. It's a hobby. It's great. I don't want to go golfing with evan because i don't want to feel bad <laughs> about my golf game well mine wasn't very good today so evan, you might was, have a chance evan what was the last round you played at rockway uh that was this week what day was that we recorded so thursday that was thursday right? what did you shoot uh was i 39 already go f yourself that's why i don't want to golf with you yeah and you i didn't play well at all I, th- I had, had a bunch of three putts. Buddy, if I had a 39 on any nine hole in my life, it could be a par three course. I'm happy. 
we are uh, now over our allotted man. Amount of time people did for not golf. like the golf talk last. No, time. they did not at all, and that's fair. We, uh, I think it's because it's it's Evan's domain, and Brad and I tried to butt in and see if we could all fit in there. We definitely cannot. So, yeah, message heard on that one. We'll leave it to to Evan moving forward. So, apologies, I'm the one who brought that up. In the in terms of hockey and golf, we are the federal league. Evan is the NHL. <laughs> Fact, <laughs> we are the Fed. Oh man! All right, let's get into a quick preview of a play-in series. Um, this one is the Islanders against the Panthers. Um, another one where I think, in a world, it could be interesting. Maybe if it happened like a year ago or two years ago, but no, right- there's you're never making this series interesting. You have Tavares on. Which sucks though, because this is objectively going to be a good series. The the offensive powerhouse that is Panthers versus the defensive stalwarts that is the Islanders. They had a fantastic playoff series not that long ago, where both teams were trying to break a huge playoff drought, and Tavares scored the OT winner in Game Six. It was a fantastic series. A bunch of games went to overtime. This is going to be really fun. Uh, from a hockey standpoint, from a storyline standpoint, there is nothing to get excited about in this series. Like, you have the overachieving Islanders against the underachieving Panthers. That, that's about the biggest storyline I can come up with. Whenever you have, like, streakiness and, and uh, confidence levels and everything like that definitely comes into play in the NHL because you do have overachievers and underachievers, teams who sh- are performing way beyond the talent they have on paper and teams who just have too much pal- talent and, and aren't coming through the Panthers have been like the hallmark of that for some time now. So I don't know what to make of what this quarantine and time off will have done to all that. Is that going to take the wind out of, out of the sails of the teams like the Islanders and allow teams like the Panthers to regroup and, and start essentially a new season with a good roster that should have done just as well. Or is that all going to carry over or is it going to be boring in some mix of the two? the the one thing that I've I've held in my beliefs in how this play-in is going to go is because everybody's going to be so rusty that just pure raw skill should win out. I I, I want to buy into that, but at the same time, I can't in this series because Sergei Bobrovsky is going to be the biggest wild card in this series, and he's a notoriously slow starter at the beginning of the season. Always gets his game at some point throughout the year, but just in a normal year, sucks it up in October. Just terrible. Well, this is basically October, and he hasn't been able to do all the on-ice training that he would do in a normal summer. Maybe that's a blessing in disguise. I don't know. So from a skill standpoint, I would absolutely favor the Panthers in this series. Barkov, Huberto, Ekblad, I mean, Bobrovsky when he's on. And the Islanders are that lunch pail team that works hard, gets the job done. But objectively, they don't have a lot of stars behind Matt Barzell. And Varlamov isn't the goalie he used to be. But again, the Islanders are such a great defensive team. It, it helps with that. So this would be a series... Based on what I've, how I've been picking so far, I would just go right to the Panthers. I'd bet on Huberto and Barkov, but I don't know if I can do that this series. Where I'm at on it is, is I think, like you said, Bobrovsky is going to start off slow. 
first four games are going to be a grind for the Panthers who are definitely going to have the offensive talent eked out um, and, and squeeze through a couple high scoring games, but the Islanders are going to take it to them in some other games. There's going to be a, a series deciding game five. And I think that's the game where Bobrovsky is going to pull it together and string together a few good periods. Um, he has the talent. He has the talent. And, you know, if you want unpredictability, like Evan always says, this is the great equalizer, what's happening right now. So, Hey, get your own line. You know what? Make more lines for me to oh, steal. I will. Don't you worry. <laughs> um, oh, boy. I think, yeah, I think Bobrovsky will come through, and I think Florida will take this 3-2. See, ah. I, I feel kind of the opposite. I think Barry Trotz has this team so well coached that they're going to come out of the gate in much better shape than Florida, and I think this series is going to be over before Florida even thinks it's begun. Oh yeah. What I do you know. like? And how many games, Evan? Uh, this will the seven games. Wait, is this a plan? Play. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Plan. That was a joke. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I honestly think it'll be three, one for the Ooh. Islanders. I don't know why, but this series just reminds me so much of a UFC fight. It's it's your traditional, you've got your elite striker versus your elite grappler, right? And it's as if with, with Bobrovsky, you just don't know. Because if this guy's takedown defense is great, uh, you, you bet on the striker. But if it's not, the grappler is going to take it to him and he's never going to get a chance to go. I am going to go against how I've been picking in these playoffs and I, I'm I'm going to take the Islanders. I think Trotz is the guy to get his team together faster than other teams will. And if Bobrovsky doesn't stand on his head, I'm not even going to say stand on his head. If Bobrovsky just isn't at his best, I don't think Florida has much of a chance in this series because their defense isn't great. And I don't know if they'll be able to outscore the Islanders. Even with Huberto and Barkov at their absolute best, the Islanders could still suffocate him and eke out a lot of two, one, three, two games. So I don't think this series is going to be a walk, but I, I think it'll be the Isles in five. Isles in five. All right. A few different answers here. So uh, that one's interesting. Okay. Um, some other news here. Oh, what am I talking about? We haven't done our NHL uh, draft prospect previews. So, of course, we talk a lot about the draft lottery, but what is that leading up to? The draft. So, episode by episode, we are looking at players, not just necessarily the top-ranked first-round players, but players you know, <laughs> ranked through the top 100, really, because um, of how many days we have until the draft. And today's uh, player is none other than... Windsor Spitfire's left winger, William Cooley. Brad, tell us about Will. Will Cooley. Well, the Red Wings should be very familiar with him. Uh, one of the more intriguing prospects going into this season because he's, I think, six foot three or six foot four, uh, big kid already, 200 and something pounds. Um, unreal hands, unreal shot. He's, he's your atypical, skilled, big man um he plays a physical game as well which is the nice thing to see with cooley because he does couple his skill with a really nice physical element to his game not a great skater and plays slow though which is why after everything i said first you'd be like oh yeah this guy's a surefire first round pick and this guy's not even a guarantee to go in the second round um 
the tools are there. He had an excellent 16 year old season in the OHL and almost none of his, and his numbers barely improved in his second season, which is throwing up a lot of red flags. Um, because again, a guy who should in theory physically dominate the CHL, much like Michael Rasmussen did, um, you would expect more improvement than that year over year. And Cooley just didn't show that. That being said, you get into the late second round, early third round, you want to bet on skill. I mean, Cooley's shot and his hands are no joke. He is truly talented at that position. Um, I still have major concerns, though, with how slow he plays, even with his physical element. Because, again, if you play, I always love using Ryan Getzlaff as that guy who can play slow, but still be effective because you can't knock him off the puck and his vision is just elite. I don't see that with Cooley. I, he, his playmaking isn't a strength of his game uh he is hard to knock off the puck but not to that crazy like ryan getzlaff anthony mantha level of just like it's their puck until they deem otherwise um but i mean when you grow into that size of a body that young there's going to be a transition period it's he's going to be awkward he's going to be clinky he's going to take time to work out uh, all his issues so He's the guy you gamble on in the in that sixty to eighty range, and and pray and hope that the rest of his game rounds it out. So yeah, I still don't know fully what to make of Will Cooley. Um, the the lack of improvement leaves a big question mark for me. Yeah, I think his um, the level of the, the notable skills that he has makes him notable in my mind too. Uh, at least look at with a second or third round pick like his shot is an absolute cannon and his hands are wild it's, but like even for anyone but someone his size like you combine those two and usually like brad said you have someone who's a surefire first round talent obviously we're talking about a you know second third round guy here so there has to be something wrong and that is not only just a skating but not necessarily doesn't play at a high pace but also doesn't think the game at the level of some of his peers um and so with that you lose someone who's going to drive play and so if you're lacking speed and you're lacking that like high-end hockey iq you're not a goner by any means like the guy's still gotta (laughs) you don't gotta think to shoot (laughs) shoot hard shoot hard in place you want you make goal like that's it um and so he shoots that well and he has unreal hands and he can be a playmaker awesome if he's not going to skate too well and he's not going to be a uh you know he's not going to drive the play and he doesn't have a high hockey iq does that mean you give up on him as a prospect no but you have to make sure that a you can work with this guy in your system try to develop that sense for the game try to develop a little bit more pace to his game have him teach him to use his tools at a higher speed then he's a lot more effective um not only that you work him into your system you get some chemistry going with your prospects you stick him with you know a very very intelligent center who just needs him to stand in open space to find him shit you don't need him to be smart you still have him use his tools uh mantha's i think mantha thinks the game well so i don't want to compare him to mantha but you have a big skilled winger playing with someone like you know larkin or even think of a higher end center than that i'm gonna say this not to be annoying but imagine him paired with someone like trevor's egress 
that's kind of what you would want. Like you don't need him to be doing all the, 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 the hard work here in terms of thinking and generating the play and moving the puck up the ice. But once you're in the offensive zone, if he, he can find the empty space or put himself into a spot where he knows he can get have a high danger shot, put a smart, a couple of smart, uh, center and a, a right winger with him to get him that puck. That's all you need. And then on the power play as well, when you have offensive zone starts and a lot of that legwork is done for you just by virtue of where you're dropping the puck, that could be someone who's very effective. I'm curious to see, too, how much how he entered the OHL plays into all of this and, and especially plays into his mindset because he was originally drafted by Peterborough going into the OHL, but he told them straight up, don't draft me. I won't report to you. Uh, I'll just go to the States. But Peterborough drafted him anyway because they figured he wanted to play in the OHL and they could either talk him into coming or trade him for a king's ransom. And before he ever played in the OHL, he got traded to Windsor for a king's ransom. So he was walking into that room with pressure right away. Like, hey, kid, look at what we just gave up for you. You damn well better perform. And then goes out and has an uh, excellent 16-year-old year and then tapers off in his 17-year-old year. So the Red Wings are going to be very aware of this guy. And if motivation's an issue for him... <laughs> That's, he's immediately on the Stevie Eiserman do not draft list. So that could also play in because again, he's in Windsor. The Red Wings are going to have more than a few looks at this kid. Cause you got to imagine they're at Windsor games all the time. Even if they're not there to watch Cooley, it's super convenient for them to watch, you know, eerie when uh, Jamie Drysdale comes through or uh, Saginaw when Cole Perfetti, Sudbury when Quentin Byfield, they're at, probably at a ton of Spitfire games, if not every Spitfire game. So this is a guy whose skill set they're going to know well. It's his headspace that will uh, always be an issue and it's going to be even in a bigger issue given that there's no combine this year and they won't get to do their player interviews. Yeah. Um, for those who are wondering, like Brad said, like how they would scout players like uh like Cooley, you know, Draper, or maybe not now Draper that he's the director of amateur scouting, but whoever the, the lead scout would be on this player, hops in his car, crosses the border to Windsor, goes to the WFCU arena, sits in the stands, takes notes. That's it. It's that easy. So they definitely do have a lot of exposure to these guys. So Yeah, and it's it's easy to say too, because it's such a misnomer. They're like, it's a Sudbury Windsor game, and you see Draper there. Oh, yeah, he's there to watch Quentin Byfield. He absolutely is there to watch Quentin Byfield play, at best, 20 minutes of a 60-minute game. Do you think he's not watching the game the other 40 minutes? No, he's trying to pick out diamonds in the rough or, hey, who else is notable in this game? And if Cooley's not on the ice every single time Byfield is, he's going to get a lot of looks, and that probably happened in a lot of games. So anybody from that Windsor, Saginaw, OHL area... (laughs) Detroit's going to be acutely aware of. So if the Red Wings fall to fourth, but they pick hypothetically Cole Perfetti, you know they know. Yeah. Because they've seen him so many times this year, even when they weren't there to look at him. I was thinking about that with Perfetti. I was like, I listed him as one of the players that I would be less thrilled with if they reached for him. Like someone said, you know, if they reach for someone, who would you be the most upset by? And I thought, you know what, Perfetti, I wouldn't be over the moon about but it's kind of one of those picks where it's almost like the the uh retrospective we did when they drafted more outside or where we were like well we know they went to germany and we know they took like a long hard look at him and we know they they had that kind of like intent exposure 
which obviously you trust that a draft team does that regardless. But with Perfetti, it would be like they would have way better familiarity with him than a lot of other teams would just by virtue of where they are. So Brad's eyes just went wide and I, I have to assume he's either tired or something tragic happened. Uh, no, I just got, I was just checking my DMs on Twitter while you're talking there and uh, uh, a Twitter follower that I chat with in the DM a lot just sent me a scouting report on, uh, he's from Germany, so he sent me his final thoughts on uh, Stutzla and Reichel and Raymond and like, hold on, let's see if I can get this on camera just to see how long oh, this is. God. Oh my God. Oh man, it's like text from Evan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I've got a four word or less tonight. guy. That is insane. I think. And you're going to read that. Yeah. It's I've in- never read a message that long in my life. It's in depth about Reichel, Paterka, and Stutzla. There's oh. a chance the Red Wings end up with all three of them. There's yeah. Rumors floating around. I've got, a, if the Red I've got Wings about the draft lottery. They take Stutzla. Of course, I'm going to read it. We've what got about is that? five months after the draft to yeah. read about him. Not the most reputable source in the world, but it wasn't a nobody. So it kind of started making its rounds today. And I'll get this on record as saying if the Red Wings pick first overall and they're intent on taking Lafreniere, uh, uh, Stutzla over Lafreniere, they should trade down to two. Even if all they get in return is a seventh round pick, because there is no way you can put that much pressure on Stutzla. That and anyone else with um, a sane mind would take Lafreniere. Yeah. Could you imagine being the guy going up against Lafreniere comparisons for the rest of your career? That is not fair to him. And again, it's the NHL pressures every game, like deal with it. But man, that's a lot of extra unneeded pressure. So yeah, if you're not taking Lafreniere number one, you're not picking number one. You are getting down to pick two by all means necessary. Um, moving us along here to one topic. I don't want to say quick because it's not exactly a light topic, but something we do want to talk about before overtime. Um, the class action lawsuit that Dan Carcillo is um, at the head of against the CHL um, came out June 18th. It was a few days ago. Um I'll read out the statement um, just to give everyone kind of a synopsis here. I commenced a class uh, a class proceeding today against the Canadian Hockey League and its leagues and teams. It is on behalf of underage minors who suffer who suffered violent hazing, physical and sexual assault, and psychological trauma while playing major junior hockey. I was one of those kids when I played in the OHL. I know there are many more just like me. I believe this case will give those who are abused a chance to be heard. In my experience, sharing stories of abuse is part of the healing process. It allows a person to take the power back. I also believe that this lawsuit will create a real positive change in the Canadian junior in Canadian junior hockey. This type of abuse has nothing to do with the sport and it needs to stop. Um, and a note here, of course, in the news article is the next line is none of the allegations have been proven in court. So um, I read uh, the accompanying article and we're aware like we had a pretty good idea of the kind of things like hazing and, and whatnot that goes on in in uh, major junior hockey and, and across sports really at this level that we're talking about. But even for people who like, even as someone who's kind of figured I knew what to expect going into that article, it was mortifying. We we all grew up playing a high level of hockey. Like for lack of a better term, we we've all seen some shit. 
I ain't never seen any shit that came even close to that. Holy no, hell. Neither. And a lot of people said, oh, those are some pretty bold claims. They're not true. A lot of his, uh, not a lot, but a few of his teammates have since backed that up. Uh, there was a story that came out today about Sarnia's goaltender, Ryan Muntz. That was, oh, was that one heartbreaking? Um, when, uh, listeners from Windsor will remember the Akimalu story well. Yeah, exactly. Where uh, Downey basically, what, how many, I forget how many teeth he knocked out of him, but oh. stuff like that wasn't crazy uncommon. And it was just to varying, it, I'm not even saying common, it was the norm. It was just to varying degrees of how despicable some of it was. Some of it was just, oh yeah, the rookies have to wear girl clothes to a party. And that was it. Well, okay, fine. Sucks. It's stupid. Should never happen. But I had to wear a diaper. What? It was who cares i i didn't care i was like okay like it's just it's whatever and they'd write your number on the back in, uh, on your back in permanent markers so everybody knew who you were and i the the stuff detailed in that article goes far beyond that yeah it was it was straight up sexual assault what they had to do with inhumane i'm pretty sure some of it literally isn't allowed when uh, interrogating prisoners of war and yet let alone happening to junior hockey players. It's, it's insane. And I, I don't even know how much, how much of the players doing this awful crap even enjoy it and that they're just doing it because, well, I had to do it. So someone else has to do it. Cause um, it, it's no human being in their right mind would ever make someone do that ever. I don't care hockey or otherwise you're mentally, unstable you're deranged you're a lunatic if you're making players do what carcillo and his teammates had to do i it's why i have so much respect for zidane ochara because when he got to the bruins or when he was on the bruins i guess someone tried to initiate some of that and he shot that down right away and said that will not be happening on this team and not i don't know if it's a coincidence or not but the bruins have been like arguably the model organization since he's got there so you, what a weird concept. You can win hockey games without making players bob for apples and a bucket full of piss. Who'd have thought? Oh, um, yeah. You know, reader beware going into that. Um, but I do recommend you at least familiarize yourself a little bit with, with what's going, been going on. So, um, I hope what, you know, your thoughts aside about Carcillo or anyone else personally, I, I hope this process does, um, bring, positive change about and, and exposes unfortunately some of the more ugly truths about major junior hockey in canada and across you know across the world and I, and let, let's be clear this isn't a hockey specific problem no it's no this is a sport stupid problem. meathead sports problem okay let's get to a lighter note uh and definitely where brad's um verbal error from last episode is going to be um mocked relentlessly which is going to be fun for evan and i so we're going to head over to overtime uh starting with our patreon supporters who are the ones who allowed the show to go on so we love you all and this is uh, our time to read your comments out first and guaranteed as a way of saying thank you austin trotman says my girlfriend and i are looking at getting a corgi puppy any ideas oh. on red wings themed names hmm. hmm red wings there's the obvious ones that people have done before, you know, the Dylan Barkin and Henrik Zetterlick or whatever yeah. that one was. Henrik Zetterbark. Henrik that was Zetterbark. One, yeah. yeah. Uh, what uh, a- Slava Korgov. That's that's good. 
Um, something Zadina themed or cider themed. Yeah, with dog and corgi though, I just I don't. Maybe we'll maybe it. we'll defer to the listeners, you guys, for next overtime. Generate some suggestions for this. And maybe uh, we'll, we'll take some time to think as well. Kyle Sanders says, hello, heathens. Tis your friendly neighborhood tree bucket enthusiasts. Since you have committed the cardinal sin of comparing the primitive hunk of junk catapult to the engineering marvel that is the trebuchet or <laughs> the trebucket, a weapon that not only re- revolutionized medieval siege warfare with the introduction of the counterweight, but is capable of launching a 90 kilogram projectile a distance of 300 meters. Your punishment for uh, a... S- your punishment for suck a comparison will include a 90 kilogram projectile launched directly at your domiciles from a range of 300 meters and many more trebuchet memes left in Patreon comments. P.S. Matthew's COVID test results was the only positive thing happened at least in 67. Oh God. I hope Matthew's goes through it like no problems at all. In a perfect world. Yeah. Peter Quill says, gentlemen, I have seen a lot of online opinions from people thinking Bert should be the next captain of the wings. While it is clearly a wrong opinion, as Larkin is the only logical and acceptable choice, was curious to hear your thoughts on it. Who would you accept as a captain, if not Larkin? And who would you personally choose for the C's and the A's? Thanks, boys. Uh, Larkin is the only acceptable option right now, unless you plan on waiting another four or five years to see how Cider or Lafreniere pan out. (laughs) Um... It's yeah, it's it's Larkin. I don't care how great in the room anybody else is. It's it's Larkin. He's like a top five most competitive player in the league. Those and when he's the best player on your team, it's as easy a decision as you're ever going to get. Uh, given that I assume they're not going to take away an A from Franz Nielsen, and if Helene St. James is right and Abdulkader is going to Grand Rapids, that means one A is available. Then yeah, that A should go to Bertuzzi uh yeah i i if not bert or if not larkin if if you're asking someone other than larkin bert mantha i don't know someone who cares someone who's passionate at least robbie fabry let's get weird hell yeah hell yeah 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 you know what i want larkin i want bertuzzi fabry and hmm Cider, welcome to the show, kid. Yeah, throw into the rolls. Uh, okay, James Phoenix says, "Good day, you bunch of flaming galas." Uh, it's Australian, I think. Obviously, excitement here in the Phoenix house uh, is at an all-time high. What with the announcement of the draft rankings this week, my heart says we get gets first, but my head screams fourth. So we will try to ignore that. Having lost out on what was my perennial favorite and later pick, Alex Kovanov in the 2018 draft, I'm now quietly hoping that Murat uh, Dinoff slips to us at 32, as I truly believe this kid's ceiling could be understatedly higher than advertised. In the meantime, however, uh, working on the premise that Eisman, the wizard, is somehow able to do something with one of the one of our more albatross contracts, who would you have as your bottom six? Uh, shoot, I don't know. Um, okay, so to figure out the bottom six, we first have to establish the top six so we know who we're working with. So we assume the MLB line stays together. Yep. Let's assume uh, Philpola default second line center again which means uh, we'll say Zidane and Fabry on his wings. Yep. Okay. So we... Uh, I would third say, line, I'm going Helm, Rasmussen, Svechnikov. Yep. And then bottom line, I am going with 
Who the hell gives you shit? Uh, Glendening, Gagne, Timoshov. Perfect. Yeah. That's pretty much where I'm at. Like, I, I don't know. That means they've done something with Nielsen's contract and applicators in the minors. Yeah. Well, it would assume that Nielsen's the healthy scratch. So he's still the good guy around the room that they want. He's just not playing without an injury. Or uh, he's the he sits there as the threat. Like you get your shit together, he, or we're gonna put him in. <laughs> Goes on to say, I also quite like the prospect of alternating with the elite Darren Helm, Glenn Denning, and uh, Boromir Sveshnikov, Filipula and Timoshov together for the fourth, which would be a potentially strong line. I would also like to see more of Giovanni Smith, whose skating, physical presence, and game generally I thought had improved significantly, which you could see with all the hard work he put into improving his stride. Who would your third and fourth line selections be, assuming Brome makes a lineup, and would you bring anyone up from Grand Rapids to bolster the, the ranks? Yeah, you know, slot Brome in there and slot Giovanni Smith in there. It's tough. The bottom six is very crowded. I, uh, I could see Brome going in uh, if we don't re-sign Gagne. Because he's uh, a UFA, so we, we put him in there, but there's a good chance he'd be just like, I don't want to play for this team. Are you kidding me? <laughs> oh, my God. Can you imagine? Um, I'm trying to get ahead of us here. Uh, cheers lads as always and long live the man the myth the legend that is the 18 game wonder that was the almighty dave crisco trabucket says hello doob doob podcast rianne broad and even remember last week when one of you gave me a mad shout out by name i was hella excited until someone pointed out to me that it was a mispronunciation and an embarrassing one at that turns out he was actually giving a shout out to my nemesis trebuchet so whilst it was awkward for me, given that 1 million people listened last week, that sounds made up and grossly inaccurate, by the way, it is significantly worse for Broad, who is the onions of this podcast. Anyways, it's almost draft lottery time. Maybe best not to get Brad to talk about prospects in case he tries to convince us that Alex Laferriere should be taken first overall. Jersey time, top three jerseys of the last 10 first overall picks. Go. Oh, Jesus let me th- Christ. Let me think of... NHL. So 10 years ago was... I got the list here. Which was Edmonton, right? We got New Jersey, Buffalo, New Jersey, Toronto, Edmonton, Florida, Colorado, Edmonton, Edmonton, Edmonton. <laughs> Good God. These jerseys <laughs> suck. Uh, so Colorado if we can just say not Edmonton and that eliminates yeah. half the list. Colorado yeah. and Edmonton twice. Those are my picks. Colorado, Toronto, and New Jersey for me. Sorry, which jersey are we picking, picking the top three out of those teams? Oh, I love that new Buffalo Sabres jersey. I'll take one of those. Are we please. picking third jerseys? Yeah, I why have not? No idea. All right, yeah. Colorado's regular, Colorado's third, and Buffalo's third. There we go. Yeah, Colorado's third, Buffalo's third, and oh man. Oh, New Jersey's third. I love the, the green one, the red and green one uh dead panda society says if each of you were one of the seven dwarfs which would you be sneezy drunky sleepy bashful grumpy happy dopey and doc all but happy i feel like dave will say sleepy golf guy will be sleepy or dopey when ryan could be drunky wait is drunky even a dwarf all right i'm too high for this comment by all <laughs> i was like i don't think drunky is a dwarf <laughs> beats the other dwarves uh evan is Brad is sleepy now. I would call Evan dopey for how much feeling dopey out. after a yeah. whole weekend of golf. Ryan is absolutely grumpy. Yep. Yeah. You know what? That swapped around. I didn't used to be grumpy. That used to be you. 
Yeah, I still am, but I'm more sleepy than grumpy. The apathy is a hell of a way to counter the grumpiness. YBK says, hello, my favorite pair of dingbats and my favorite Trebucket. All right, I already can see the ripple effects of the Trebucket comment in this thread. Out of curiosity, what's the worst injury you three have suffered while playing hockey? I look forward to the war stories. And Brad, if it doesn't involve a Trebucket, I will understand, but still be disappointed. Why do... I'm not even going to get into it. Like, this is the dumbest thing anybody's ever gotten <laughs> excited about on the podcast. <laughs> like I feel a medieval tool that nobody's ever physically seen in person in their lives. I feel bad because Brad is the one to connect, correct us, Evan, about all of our player name pr- pronunciations. Oh, I butcher most of the foreign last names. But Trebucket as Trebuchet was just, the moment he said it, I was like, it's over for Brad. It like, really literally, ma- I had never even heard of this thing until that morning when I just happened to be on the main page of Reddit and there was like a sub form or something dedicated to it. I'm like, eh, whatever. Risky to use a new word. Yeah. Yeah. So oh. I was just like, whatever. It, it was relevant to what I was trying to get at. So I'm like, yeah, it works. But um, I we, we live podcasted my worst injury. I wasn't even when you said it, Brad. I was like, I I didn't know what to, how to react. I was like, have I been wrong my entire life? I've no one's corrected me the well, entire okay. time. How was, is this such a common item for people to know? I literally had never heard of this thing it's, before it's that ingra- morning. It's ingrained in internet culture. Big yeah, time. Why does anybody? There's there's the Patreon comments next week. Why? That's that's my question. Why? I don't feel like it's that uncommon of a word. It's not common by any. Played a lot Has of it ever been relevant in your life other than a joke on the internet? Why are jokes on the internet not relevant in my life? Because <laughs> the internet, nothing's real on the internet. <laughs> you got to play Age of Empires. You yeah, he's a not tre- wrong. A trebuchet wall and you just rolling thunder through people's yeah. faces like since we started podcasting remotely i'm not even fully sure you two exist at this point no <laughs> you gave us life in that moment i'll tell you that anyways uh, yeah i i literally separated uh dislocated my shoulder in a hockey game back in november like this past november and uh with all the complications i had after it sucked and I've had bad concussions, so take that for what it's worth. Yeah, the concussions have sucked. I split my chin open refereeing, but I think the worst one that caused the longest um, lasting effects was when and this happened over time, but it was really compounded by when I got I, I was uh, I got hit and I was down on my knees. Yeah, and uh, a much bigger guy fell straight on top of me, like on my shoulders, and my back didn't give one way or the other; it just kind of crunched down. And, uh, the injury just got worse and worse. And eventually I wasn't able to walk. Like I literally couldn't walk. My back hurt so much and the pain was weird. It like shot out to the side. So I didn't realize it was my spine at first. I was younger. I didn't really understand how the nervous system worked. And I, uh, went and got scans and it turns out I had like my pelvis had twisted and I had three rotated vertebrae and I was Mm. a lot. Yeah. That was a lot of recovery. You're going to get typecasted for a hunchback of Notre Dame. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I would have to exaggerate a little bit, but that's how it felt in the moment. Yeah, I actually found, uh, other than just like general lack of range of motion in the shoulder, uh, a couple days ago, I found my first weird quirk with the, sh- with the shoulders. You know how like when you're sitting back in a chair and you just reach back and stretch? I could literally feel my shoulder slipping in the socket the more I <laughs> went. Nope. It was no, uh, weird. No, thank you. 
How about yours, Evan? Worst injury? Um, nothing serious. Does anything couple, bad happen to you ever? A couple high ankle sprains where I was bruised up to my knee. Oh, yeah. So that was pretty gross. Um, I dislocated, playing soccer, I dislocated uh, the joint that holds your, what's the, is that your, not your femur? Is that your femur? What's the yeah. lower one? Wait. Tibia or fib- fibia are fibia. the low ones. Yeah, not your femur. Yeah, your so whatever femur's sits, sits on that joint. It. Yeah, I dislocated that. That was not fun. Um. Yeah. Never really. I probably had a ton of concussions. I just don't remember them. <laughs> <laughs> That's a standard for any hockey player. It's just like, uh, no, when you have a bad concussion, you don't remember it. You remember the after effect. I had one. I didn't know what happened until I woke up in my bed the next morning and my mom explained to me why I wasn't going to school that day. Yeah. I can't look at stuff that spins anymore. Like if I'm at an amusement park and I see anything that rotates, I'm just like, mm, can't even look at that. It didn't used to be an issue. That just reminds me of my hangovers when I used to. <laughs> Drink yeah. excessively. Keep a foot Used on the to. floor. It helps. Uh, Ryan Kern says, writing this from the Amsterdam airport, finally on my way back to the States. I was on a flight to Minsk when I heard Trebucket and I almost rolled into the aisle. Well done. Thanks for always <laughs> keeping me entertained while I was quarantined in a country. that we give, the Brad way. gives all this great insight about prospects and what's going on in the hockey world. No one will forget you because of Trebucket. It's <laughs> that, funny, that's too, because the, they got. the number of dumb things i have said on this podcast that are way worse than that that people just let go and then this uh, is the one thing that gets latched on i our <laughs> listeners never cease to amaze me make me happy and scratch my head all at the same time the people have spoken yeah i i saw brad fight it for a second in my head i went they won't let it go i we can We'll have to move on, but they will not let this go. No, no. This will be a dumb joke. And it's it's going to be the Darren Helm is elite joke of the podcast where it's going to go on for so long. Some people will be so all in on it. The rest of the people who moved on from it are just like, yeah, it hasn't been funny in like three years, but they'll keep hammering it. And the- now that I've lumped Darren Helm with uh, Trebuchet, oh, Boy, am I getting double the hate now, and I'm ready for it. There are two things that can wash this away, Brad, in a wave of news that will kind of nip it in the bud. One, the Red Wings win the lottery and draft Lafreniere. <laughs> You're adorable if you think that'll even remotely slow it down. Or two, they win the draft lottery or even pick fourth and draft someone like Jack Quinn fourth overall. Me and you both know this isn't going away because our listeners can't let things go until I say something even dumber, which will happen. It could be two weeks from now. It could be six months from now, two years. We don't know, but it ain't going away until that moment. Um, Like, like it's why I get onions in my Twitter feed every morning for the last two months, which... (laughs) That, it's funny because every once in a while I forget to mute one of those conversations. They're like, oh, I bet Brad won't respond to it. Yeah, of course I won't because as soon as I see it, I just hit mute and I don't see any of the replies because I hate onions. Why would I want that in my feed? Um, Joseph Delia says, hey, guys, I'd like to formally apologize to Bradley for my Jackie question. I didn't know you were bombarded with the question as it obviously annoyed you. I'll try to ask more insightful and not such clickbaity questions. Sorry. Jackie? I'm not sure. I think it might have been a typo. And then he said, sorry, daddy. (laughs) 
Um, and then he asks, can you guys predict next year's lineup for me? Just kidding. Uh, I wasn't listening back in 2017 during the Rasmussen draft. Just curious who you guys were wanting um, and where Rasmussen was on your guys' list. Thank you. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I can tell you Rasmussen wasn't close to nine on our list. Um, I'm trying to remember some of the picks guys that we wanted didn't work out that well either, because I know we were really hot to trot on Liljegren at that point. I would, uh, I wanted Liljegren or Velarde at that spot after Pedersen. Yeah. Velarde was up there. Uh, Suzuki. I know we liked, I'm trying to remember who was drafted. Nichash. We liked, yeah. even though we didn't know how to pronounce his name back then. Uh, um, yeah, I think I think my preference Dan Mackey was getting some traction with us, if I'm remembering correctly. I really liked Owen Tippett. Hasn't really done anything, I don't think. Yeah. But I liked him. I remember that was the draft Gabe Velarde really slid, right? Yeah, yeah. because of his 11th, injury concerns. And I think, yeah. And I think I liked him. Nick Suzuki. God, it. 2017 feels like a lifetime ago. Suzuki and Nietzsche are probably the only ones where I'm sitting here and going, God damn it. Cause not that many others behind him. It was a, it's shaping up to be a really rough draft. So it's not like the Red Wings are that much worse off than most of the players pick behind them. I know Brandstrom uh, still has a chance to be good. And there's players. There's definitely a bunch of players behind Rasmussen's pick that I would take over Rasmussen in a redraft, but it's not like, their first line, first pairing guys, superstars, and we have Rasmussen struggling. Yeah. There, nobody has. It's not like there was a bunch of Pedersons they could have taken. Exactly. It's not like we're saying, oh, our organization would be so different only if we didn't draft Rasmussen. There, there weren't those players behind them. Uh, Yakaruta says, I was going to ask you to talk about the Red Wings doc on Thursday. If you didn't, uh, don't remember to talk about it this episode. Here's a Patreon comment to remind you to talk about it. Personally, I found the documentary to be bland, but any new hockey content is good. I still have not had the time to watch it, but I will watch it just because, um, it is hockey content. What, what documentary there? The, uh, the winged wheel on, uh, YouTube, the, um, the Red Wings recap. Of oh yeah. I haven't yeah, yeah. watched that yet. That required- I watched it. It was okay. It was just. There was it was kind of just like every other hockey let, thing, let, but uh, yeah, let, content something good to watch. Yeah. Evan, I haven't watched it. Let's see if I can guess this. It was a lot of backstage in set, like camera shots, a lot of players with interviews, management coaches, where they didn't really say a whole hell of a lot, but tried to play it off like it was way more interesting than it was. Like every behind the scenes hockey documentary ever. The only other good. Uh, the only good ones that they've done of that format have been the HBO yeah. Road to the Winter Classic, where they're actually getting yeah. firsthand, where the access. teams themselves aren't editing it. It was it was the best. It was definitely the closest thing that I've seen to like what an actual hockey locker room and on ice is like. Oh man, when Babcock chased that camera out of the room, I was I was scared. I thought I did something wrong, and I, I didn't even play. I was just sitting eating <laughs> chips on my couch like a degenerate. I felt so guilty. I was like, I'm sorry, Mike. Now I'm not. Screw you, Mike. Um, 
Austin Heuser says, gents just got home from a wonderful 10-day cross-country USA camping road trip and learned two things. First, North America is full is a beautiful content or continent full of incredible places and national parks. Second, the USA is full of dum-dums who don't practice physical distancing or wear a basic mask. So second wave is inevitable. So I worry that the season uh, may well be scrapped when more and more players test positive. On a different note, draft lottery is coming up. Let's say the wings get fourth. Do you see any chance of Byfield falling to four? Draft ranking are constantly in flux and apart from laugh at one who knows right anyways cheers and let's go red wings that would be a bigger shock than when seth jones went fourth yeah that would be there's a chance i won't say there's not a chance there definitely is um but it would be like we're talking less than one in my mind percent yeah less than one percent of who falling sorry byfield to four. Oh yeah i pff, not a chance i would say the odds are higher that the Red Wings pick fourth and trade up to get him than him falling to fourth. Yeah, and that's a small chance. And that <laughs> is also probably sub 1%. <laughs> Next comments from Sleeve McDykel. <laughs> <laughs> in the spirit of upcoming draft nonsense here's a draft re, uh, redraft question for you you have one first round draft pick to redraft since the 2014 nhl draft you can only pick players taken after our pick we've done fairly well apart from svetch who i'm still holding out hope for so to name a few is it pasternak over larkin or besser over svechnikov to over dennis oh we go one at a time uh well we have to pick one of them suzuki over rasmussen hughes over zadina maybe you like that zegras kid the last couple drafts are probably too soon to tell but if there's anyone who could solve this puzzle it's trey buck christo oh God, no godspeed cheese bags um my answer here has to be besser over svechnikov or, or besser to bring it over svechnikov or Cholosky respectively yeah i would uh... I if I had to pick between Svechnikov and Cholosky, who I think could still have a, a big or a bigger impact on the Red Wings, I would think it's Cholosky at this point. So I would probably go uh, Besser or Konechny over Cholosky. Chilo- uh, not Svechnikov. Svechnikov. Yeah. Pasternak over Larkin is hard because Pasternak is undoubtedly the best player of that group. But your bigger net gain here is is like Larkin ended up being a first line center for the Wings. So yeah, yeah, you, you you're getting the better player in Pasternak, but also think of your net gain here by moving up to Besser from Sveshnikov or to Brinkett from Cholosky or even yeah, Suzuki over Rasmussen. Although I don't know about that one. I think I think Rasmussen. We, there's still a chance Rasmussen has a ton of value to the Red Wings. I don't think it's going to be as a regular top six forward, but I mean it's a special teams league, and if he is that elite net front power play guy, he absolutely brings value to the team. And I don't see Suzuki or Nichash bringing exponentially more value, but I could see, you know, Svechnikov's best case scenario right now is a, a decent producing, producing third line winger. Brock Besser is an elite scoring first line winger. That is the biggest gap that you could find out of those players. Yeah. Um, Joseph Forney says, Hey there, fellas, I've trebucket up to here. <laughs> With this return to play madness. It's a massacre. (laughs) Just cancel the season already and start the draft. The NHL is going to have to bite this, bite it on this one and take the L. Trying to salvage the season when the players aren't even sure themselves if it's safe to return is absolutely ludicrous. People over profit. Next up on the binge tour, Atlanta. This is the best show I've seen in years. Donald Glover is a master. I need to watch Atlanta. 
Um, what other hobbies have you all gotten into aside from an unhealthy amount of binge TV? I've gotten into collecting tree sap to make into syrup. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to go check my tree buckets. <laughs> I've been, I have been, my, I shouldn't even say I have been because it's not exactly been directed at me. But my Twitter timeline has been nothing but shitty Darren Helm jokes for the last five years. This isn't even going to phase me a little bit. Especially, I think it helps because I don't get it. I think that's probably the biggest thing that's helping me with this thing right now is because I already know it's going to be beaten to death to the point where it's not funny in like three years. I don't know what it is, so I don't really care. And every dumb thing I've ever said on this podcast has been beaten to death, so I'm used to it. It's numb. It's why the mute button on uh, Twitter is so convenient. It makes me and Evan laugh, though. Um, hobbies other than golf, which we're going to, you guys don't want us to talk about, uh, cook a ton now. I cook ever like, we just, all we do is cook in this house. And I don't know. Uh, I, I've dusted off the hockey cards I haven't touched in a few years. I brought a couple packs home from work a few months ago just for the hell of it. And Mika seemed to really enjoy it. So we've, and I wouldn't say dove hard back into it, but eh, it killed some time. Evan, any new hobbies or just your main ones? Well, I don't have time for any other ones, unfortunately. Golf is not a, a quick event sport. No, no, it's certainly not. Do you get? Did you get a cart the other week? A cart? No. Yeah. Oh man, you're just faster than us. Haroon Khan says, "Hey boys, this is don't bump me in with us. I walked." This is going to be a tough one because I want all of you, especially Evan, to list your five favorite Justin Abdulkader moments. They have to be positive and no negative uh, comments. I'm looking at you, Brad. Good luck. Let's go Red Wings. And you should know I'll be praying to God every day asking for Lafreniere. Congrats on a million listens as well. Thank you. Okay. Uh, one and two will be his uh, two goals in the cup finals. Uh, number three will be his goal in game seven, 2013 against Anaheim. Number four will be him absolutely undressing. I think it was Vasilevsky in net for Tampa Bay on a penalty shot. And five uh, will be watching him dance around the ice with Brian Boyle at the end of game three in 2016, not fighting him because his hand was wrapped and he would have got suspended. And it was great watching Brian Boyle just get that angry. Your recall is that is disturbing. It's messed up. I don't I, like, I didn't remember any of that. When you talked about those things, I'm like, oh yeah, I remember that. Oh yeah, I remember that too. But how do you like drum that up in your head? I don't know. I this, don't know. This is why this is why Brad's the Pierre Maguire of this podcast. Like <laughs> he just knows this stuff. Uh, yeah, it's not like I'm researching this as i go it's no just, i try Sometimes it's there i don't know i can't explain it you guys can see me type when when we read these questions i'm like oh shoot i had to look i had to look something up for this because i've been laying on my hands knows. this whole time <laughs> um the two goals against pittsburgh and his hot four game start to this season didn't he I, have a oh uh another good one that i probably should have I, I just remembered this moment was the game Larkin scored his first NHL goal against Toronto in the season opener. Abdelkader had a hat trick that game. Oh my God. He, he had a hat trick against Anaheim too at some point. I think in 2013. This is what Google's telling me. <laughs> I, <laughs> look, I'm going back travel. seven years. Um, 
All right. We have time for some Reddit and Twitter questions. DHO41 says, create this deal in any capacity you want. What do you think are reasonable offers for the number one pick if Detroit had it and was interested in trading it and there was someone looking to trade up? Okay. Mm. So let's let's go with Ottawa because they're the most likely to pick somewhere near behind them. Uh, so Ottawa wants Lafreniere. Let's Ryan. What what spot is Ottawa trading up from? Give me something to work with. Let's say two. Let's just say two to make it interesting. Oh Christ! Uh, they would have to throw in for me to do that. And I this is when I say this, I understand Ottawa would not do this. But for me to give up Lafreniere, Brandstrom would have to be coming back. Dude, I was thinking Detroit's like the first overall and Chalosky for second overall in Brandstrom. I don't, I wouldn't even do Chalosky. I don't think Brandstrom's that big of an upgrade from Chalosky. I'm not He's sure an upgrade, but not dramatically. I wouldn't trade further down than three if I'm Detroit. If they were crazy enough to trade the first overall pick, and it would have to be a King's Ransom. Oh, I think you're would. more likely to get that King's Ransom from third, and you you it starts with the third overall pick. The next year's first unprotected. And then it still has to be a piece, right? Like Lafreniere is just that much better than whoever's taking, being taken third overall this year. Yep. And in my mind, he is. But uh, who knows? In Detroit's mind, they might really be big on uh, Byfield and Stutzla. So, and again, if if uh, they're picking first and a team's trading up from third and the Red Wings are hell bent on picking Stutzla by all means necessary, well, then, yeah, you got to get to pick three. I don't even care what the return is because for Stutzla's sake, uh, winged squigger says with one of the past overtime segments going over the made up names for a Japanese baseball game. Have there been other made up names in video games or media that stand out as great to you? My personal favorite is from an old East side hockey manager save I had where I drafted a defenseman named blade Lovejoy, who went on to tear up the ECAC and become a half decent wings prospect before the save got corrupted. There is one year, <clears throat> And the old NHL games used to do this, or maybe the new ones still do, where they take current NHL players' last names and they just attach different first names to them at random, and those are prospects. So you get things like Evan Draper and Brad Chalosky and things like that. And uh, I had played far enough in a franchise mode where I got Ryan Shanahan. And Brendan Shanahan was my favorite player of all time as a kid. Like, I loved Shanny. Still devastated that he's brought the Leafs back into relevance. Um, and I got Ryan Shanahan, and I never let that go. He was a god awful winger, like who would nothing prospect, not good at all. Can't but. wait till uh, you draft Bradley Bowie. <laughs> Bradley Trebucket Bowie, <laughs> <laughs> just lobbing passes down the ice. Yeah. Hey, this turn into Henrik Datsuk in twenty years. Yeah, well, we'll take it. He's sleeping hey. upstairs right now. Jealous. That guy must be sleeping. He must have a. Pro- he must go into protein naps twelve times a day. Look how big he is. He still he still naps three times a day. He's actually he's he's like a kettlebell. He's like a big kettlebell. <laughs> you he grab is. him under the arms. You swing him under your legs. It's a workout. He's he's pulling himself up to standing now. So if he can get a hold of something, the kid can get up. And he's at, which is funny because he's having an easier time with that than he is crawling because his forearms can barely hold his body weight. Funny. You gotta you gotta get those forearm curls in now. I didn't work out my forearms when I was a kid and they are definitely my limiting factor at the gym. Oh yeah. Me too. Um all right and Reddit crashed for me and it's not reloading. So we will go over to Twitter questions. 
Tim Stutzel fan says, when the Red Wings inevitably fall to fourth, which teams would you want to see in the top three? Uh, three Western Conference teams. Yeah, the the Edmonton. petty ten. <laughs> <laughs> Chicago. No. Well, that's your rules, Brad. Um. Oh, I can get three Western Conference teams without picking Chicago. Uh, L.A., Edmonton, Arizona. I want Arizona. I want Minnesota. I don't care who else. Ottawa, because you know what? You got. He'll, ha- he'll be that player. Will be available in three to four years. Exactly. Ot- Ottawa can have three because to me, three and four are pretty interchangeable. So give their fans the bone. Yeah. Let them have it. Let them. Here's our sorry for Eugene Melnick. Yeah. And then we pick fourth. They pick fifth. That's fine with me. Minnesota, Minnesota and Arizona vying for Byfield and Lafreniere would be hysterical to me. Watching the NHL try to scramble to (laughs) advertise those guys. Oh, well, it's not going to matter because the draft is going to be friggin' irrelevant to the rest of the world anyway because the NHL's stupid and doesn't like attention. Adam Pfeiffer says, what's worse, going to Kitchener Costco on a Saturday or the fact that the Wings paid Abby and Nielsen almost a million dollars per point this year? Given that it's a pandemic, Kitchener Costco. Yeah, right now it's got to be Kitchener Costco, man. It's any Costco. Even my store. We're not busy right now, but less than... 15% 15% of the dummies coming into my store are wearing masks. They're literally coming in mom, dad, and three kids, nobody wearing a mask. It's the level of stupidity in society never ceases to amaze me. With that, we are going to wrap up this episode of the Winged Wheel podcast. Um, I was the lucky contestant who disconnected earlier this episode, and I have caused myself a lot of time with editing. So uh, we are going to thank all of our listeners, our name level sponsors, the septic tank of that bitch, Carol Baskins. I'm sorry, I missed your name last episode. I still love you. Greach, Jeremiah Dobo, Jake Kiefer, Dead Panda Society, Brad Smith, Andrew Bohan, Scott Martin, Jacob Turner, Matt McKay, Brandon M., Matthew M. Rice, Luke Johnson, Clayton Van Dyken, Kalen Wood, Hassam Alkasem, Arjun Shanker, Charlie Elkins, Hannah Lee, Josh Rosnowski, Alex Ott, Chris Frank, Connor Layton, and Danny Jr., Matthew Keeler, Simon Anderson, Antonio Gracias, John Evans, K. Stan Olson. Uh, for all of you name level sponsors, the um, rewards and prizes that um, have been trying to go out for a while, um, a lot of our vendors are opening back up and turning back into production. So those will start filtering your way. In the meantime, any complaints, please uh, direct directly to Brad with the subject line Trebucket. Thank you and have a great day. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.